Well, that was quite an introduction. Man, I hope I can live up to the introduction. Wow. Praise the Lord. It's an honor to be here. Uh, Jabin is one of my, my closest friends in the ministry, and your church is incredible. Come on. Like, it's awesome. Uh, I'm going to say something. The Lord just told me to do this right now. So I have been banging down the doors of our prisons in El Paso trying to get in. And so far, it's been a closed door. And I'm so inspired by what you're doing. So Abundant is going to sow $10,000 into City Lights Prison Ministry this week. And... um, I guess we'll buy some iPads or something. I don't know, but you can use it however you want. But I'm just telling you, I'm sowing it selfishly. Like, because, yeah, you'll use the money, and that's nice. But I'm believing that I'm sowing seed for a harvest in El Paso's prisons. So, all right. Lift your hands towards heaven. Let's pray. By the way, remind me of that, Jeff, but CFOs never forget that. <laughs> He'll be texting me as soon as I land, don't forget. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, we invite your word into our minds tonight. Your word is spoken for edification, for reproof, for instruction, for doctrine, and for correction. So God, we invite your word, which means we invite Jesus into our hearts and minds tonight. Let every man, woman, and child leave here better than when they got here. God, you know that this message is so personal to me. This message on peace. And I just believe in Jesus' name that the peace of God is going to hit this room tonight. God, we rebuke by faith depression. We rebuke anxiety. We rebuke panic attacks. We will not succumb to suicidal thoughts and tendencies. We will not stay in addiction. We will not be bound. And we will not live hopeless. God, you sent Jesus with freedom in his hands. So we declare that we are free because whom the Son sets free is free indeed. So we are free. Free from the curse of sin and death, free from bondage, free from the power of the enemy. We are free. In Jesus' name we pray. Now on the count of three, give God the biggest shout of praise that you've given all day. One, two, three. Come on, Joe. All right, you can sit down. Uh, Just want to thank everybody in the overflow. That's awesome that you stayed here in church. That is amazing. We love you. And um, curious, how many of you were here this morning? Would you just, oh, wow. Oh, that's a lot of you. Well, thanks for coming back. (laughs) I feel very complimented. (laughs) So... Uh, Turn in your Bibles to Philippians 4. We're in this uh, hot, hot topics? Hot one one series. Hot topics is a store in the mall in the 90s. It is not the title of a series at City Light Church. That is where you go get your ears pierced. So, uh... (laughs) Jabin was telling me a couple weeks ago that a lot of the questions you all submitted, the concerns, the challenges, the things uh, that you wrote in to, to the leadership team were about uh, missing peace in your life, anxiety, depression, uh, brokenness, feeling a sense of loss or hopelessness. And many years ago now, I went on a three-year study because I, as a pastor, battled severe anxiety, insomnia, and I dealt with seasons of depression, not diagnosed, not uh, needing to be medicated, but I knew that it was depression. And um, it bothered me. It really angered me, to be honest with you. And it also frustrated me to meet with people as a pastor, and I didn't know how to help them. I've found that many Christians are frustrated 
because they are living in anxiety, depression, or any of the things that are related to those topics. But then they come to church, or they read the Bible, or they watch a clip on Instagram of a preacher, and they hear about the peace of God. They, they know that God is the God of peace, that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. We know that the night Jesus was born, the angel declared peace on earth, and yet peace is missing from our lives. And so we live with this underlying frustration in our walk with God. And I, I just wanted to be able to help people. I knew that if I could figure it out for myself, then I could help people as well. And these messages that really I have laid out to my church now for five years, um, have helped people and brought freedom to people all around the world. It's really amazing. I get messages constantly. And I don't have time to teach the whole series to you. I I did have my team put it on the link in my bio and Instagram. And I would encourage you that if you're struggling to go listen to the whole series. I'm not promoting myself to you. You don't have to follow me. You can if you want, but you don't have to. I'm not trying to get your email. You're not going to have to create an account. You're not going to have to submit anything to me. Nothing. I won't even know you watched it. This is solely for you. I just want you to have the revelation. Okay? Okay. So there's no questions asked here. I'm not gaining anything from you listening to the teaching. Okay? All right. Philippians 4. Rejoice in the Lord on Sunday nights. No. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be made known to all men. The Lord is here. Be anxious for nothing. God, I hate that scripture. I'm kidding. I used to hate that scripture. That scripture used to frustrate me because I was anxious about everything. And then I would read this scripture and feel like I wasn't good enough to live up to the scripture. I, I mean, I would, I would really actually read it and be like, oh, here we are, Philippians 4, you know, the Hall of Fame of Bible chapters. This is like the greatest hits of Paul's writing in this chapter. This is the Sports Center top 10. And I can't even get through verse 6. Be anxious about nothing. I'm anxious about not being able to live up to this scripture. Except like I said this morning, God does not set you up for failure. He sets you up for success. And if his word says you can do something, then you can do it. All we need to do is unlock the formula to be able to apply the word to our lives and allow the truth of the word to empower us into a place where the word is trying to lead us. So at the light of the end of this tunnel is the possibility to be anxious for nothing. Okay. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything pray and sub with in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses understanding will guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. John 16:33. Jesus says, "I've spoken these things to you so that in me you will have peace." Where do you have peace? Where do you have peace? In him, Jesus. Jesus being the Prince of Peace. In me, he says, you will have peace. In the world, you'll have trouble. Okay, let's understand that the world will bring trouble. As Christians, we are not exempt from trouble. But then he says, take heart, be of good cheer, have courage. I've overcome the world. So yes, you are not exempt from trouble, but you are empowered to overcome trouble. And during the trouble, you can still have peace. And sometimes that peace will be so incredible that you can't even explain it. That begs the question, what is peace? So the night Jesus was born, the angel of the Lord declared peace on earth. Peace on earth. Goodwill toward men, not among men. We know that there is not peace among men. Okay. That's not what God said. He said toward men. That means from the throne room of God toward his children is peace. The word toward in the literal text, it says from God to my children 
and it will remain in place. That means there is nothing you can do. There is nothing the devil can do. There's nothing your cousin can do. There's nothing your jerk boss can do that can take away what God is outpouring into your life. And he is outpouring peace. Okay, there's a lot of definitions to peace. I'm going to review two of them that I talked about this morning. Okay, you all that were here this morning, it's a good review for you. All right, but there's like 150 people that weren't. So we got to catch them up, okay? Okay, one definition of the word peace means tranquility for your heart and mind. Exactly what we want. Tranquility for your heart and mind. A restful mind, a peaceful mind, a mind under control, a heart that is not ruled by disappointment, by frustration. It's tranquility for your heart and mind. The second definition, and this is the one that changed my life. It means this, health, welfare, prosperity, and every kind of good. So the night Jesus was born, God said, from me to my children in every situation, the good times, the bad times, the easy times, the hard times, the times filled with joy, the times of mourning, the times of rejoicing, the times of sadness, the times where half your life is great and half of it seems worse than ever. In all situations now and for the rest of your time here on earth, from God to you is health, welfare, prosperity, and every kind of good. Health, welfare, prosperity, and every kind of good. Health, welfare, prosperity, and every kind of good. From God to you, tomorrow morning, going to work, he will be meeting you at work and he will be giving you. He will be trying to produce for you. He will be leading and guiding you to places of health, welfare, prosperity, and every kind of good. When you are faced with a challenge in your life, you can call out to God and declare, God, I know that in this challenge, you are still going to produce health, welfare, prosperity, and some kind of good. And if it doesn't fit under health, welfare, prosperity, or some kind of good, it is not from God. It is from the world, or it may be from your own bad decisions, but do not blame God for something that he is is not. He is the God of peace, Jesus is the Prince of peace, and in your life you have been called unto peace. So what have you been called unto? Say it with me. You have been called unto health, welfare, prosperity, and every kind of good. That was very nice of you. You said that like very golf clap style, very mediocre. But like, why don't we get some excitement for this life-changing reality that God has gifted to you? Think about this. The night Jesus was born, God could have declared Anything. Right, right, good. That's good. Anything. How many of you know the angel would have said whatever God the Father told it to say? God could have created a new language for this moment. He could have put together new letters and formed a new word. And of all the words, he said, peace. Because from me, now that Jesus arrived, will now come, say it with me, health, welfare, prosperity, and every kind of good. Why am I being so redundant? Because this is how we learn. We learn through repetition. And I want you six months from now to hear my voice going through your head saying, "Mm -mm -mm, I'm a child of God and I am called unto health, welfare, prosperity, and every kind of good. And this situation is not that. So I'm going to fight this fight of faith. I'm going to overcome this because I will not be robbed of my health welfare, prosperity, and every kind of good. I am a child of the Most High God, and I'm going forward in my life with health. Somebody give God a shout of praise. 
All right. So <laughs> the Bible says, above all else, guard your heart. Philippians 4 said, the peace of God will guard your heart and mind. This morning, we talked about guarding your heart. Okay? So if you weren't here this morning, watch it on the City Light YouTube page. It'll be there, right? Is that where we watch things? Okay. Go watch it. So we guard our hearts. It's our responsibility to guard our hearts. But then he also said that the peace of God will guard our minds. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about winning the battle of our minds. Just like your heart, your mind must come under submission to the ways of God. Where does trouble land in our lives? It lands in our hearts and or in our minds. Research says that we think between 50 to 70,000 thoughts a day. That's a lot. Now, I'm convinced that you ladies hold up that number. Because there is no way I think 50 to 70,000 thoughts. I mean, I can't tell you how often I am sitting there at night, and my wife, in all her beauty, will look over at me with her beautiful big brown eyes, and she'll be like, Jared, what are you thinking? <laughs> and I'm like... Nothing. And she's like, no, seriously, Jared, I want to talk. What were you thinking about? And I'm like, nothing. She's like, babe, babe, like, just, just let's connect. Open up. What are you thinking? And I'm like, well, now I'm thinking that you don't believe me. I'm not trying to hide something from you, babe. I wasn't thinking about anything weird. You can check my DMs and nothing inappropriate. Like, it's like I'm not thinking about nothing. Literally. Let me give you some marriage advice, ladies. Ladies, let me help your marriage. Your man is totally capable of sitting right next to you in your beauty and splendor. And literally not thinking about anything. Can I get a good amen from the fellas? What does that have to do with the teaching? Nothing. The, st the steady flow of thinking, listen, is a thick filter between our thoughts and feelings, our head and our hearts. Let me make this statement to you. Life and death rests on what is in your heart and your mind. Now, maybe not literal life and literal death, but the abundant life and death to that life. Let's say it like this. Peace and turmoil rests on what is in our heart and our mind. The mind's a powerful thing. You can almost talk yourself in or out of just about anything. Did you know that overcoming addiction is more mental than it is physical? I overcame addiction. I, I smoked a lot for 13 years. The last night I smoked was my, my wedding night, the night before my wedding. My, my wife told me, you can enjoy that, but I'm not marrying someone who's addicted. So, have fun until the night before we get married. Made for a very interesting honeymoon. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was about to say something else, but we're at church. So... <laughs> But did you know that your body's not addicted to nicotine no matter how much you've smoked or how long you've smoked it for se after 72 hours? Three days. Your body is not addicted to it anymore. But how many of you have known people who smoked and they quit for a week? Quit for a month, maybe. And then went right back into it. You want to know what was addicted? 
You got to win the battle of your mind. Listen, your predominant thought becomes the issue of your heart. Out of the abundance of your heart, the Bible says, the mouth speaks. The Bible then says, life and death is in the power of the tongue. So it starts in your mind. It ends up in your heart. Then you speak it, and it defines your life. When was the last time you thought about your thoughts? I mean, you think about everything else. Do you ever think about your thoughts? Do you ever have your mind run wild? Like. Do you ever make yourself crazy? So, so I'm the only one? <laughs> like, you know, you had a totally normal day. Totally normal. Just totally normal. Most days are just totally normal. Like, you woke up, you went to work, you came home, you had some lunch. Like, whatever, you watched some TV. Maybe you went to the gym. And then you get ready for bed. You get in bed a totally normal human being. And then you're like, you know, when I was driving home, (laughs) and then your brain starts going wild. And 15 minutes later, you are full balloon caressy. (laughs) Has that ever happened to you? It's happened to all of us. Why? Because if we're not careful, our minds will run wild. 2 Timothy 1, verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love. And what? A sound mind. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. But then what did he give us? Power, love, sound mind. So before we go any further, let me say this to you. If God has not given you something, then you don't have to accept it. Okay? Let Let me say it again. God said he has not given you fear. That includes all of fear's ugly cousins. Anxiety, depression, darkness, insecurity, panic attacks... Hatred, self-loathing, suicidal thoughts and tendencies, regret, self-guilt, and any other one of those things. If God has not given you something, you do not have to be ruled by it. You don't have to be defined by it. You don't have to be identified by it. And you don't have to accept it into your life. And God has not given you a spirit of fear. But he's given you power, which is his faith. He's given you love, which the Bible says casts out all fear. And then he's given you a sound mind. Now you're thinking, but I don't have a sound mind. That's why, let me explain it to you. The phrase sound mind means a disciplined mind. Now, let me ask you this question. Whose responsibility is it to discipline your mind? Is it God's? Is it yours? So the heart must be guarded. The mind must be disciplined. Now, here's the thing. Discipline's hard. Like it's hard, right? And isn't it amazing that every time you seem to make the decision to discipline, temptation shows up immediately. I mean, there you are. You're like, oh, my God, I'm going to change my diet. I'm going to get in shape. (laughs) Then you meal prep. Sunday night, you make your little grilled chicken. And your white rice with no flavor. And you steam some asparagus with no butter. So pretty much everything lacking of taste, flavor, or desire to eat, you make. 
and you're ready. You post it. Gotta post it. Gotta post it. Just asking y'all to keep me accountable. Like anybody cares. <laughs> you go to work. You ate your little egg whites in the morning with your mixed berries. Feeling all good about yourself. You go do your work. Everything's good. You're like, mm, I'm so excited. Look at me making change. You walk. You walk into the kitchen for lunch. You pull out that wonderful meal you prepped. You're feeling all good, though. And then Donna from accounting comes in the room. And she brings all the leftovers from her cookout the day before. She's got the chili con queso. She's got some steak, but not even the lean steak. She's got ribeye. And then she's like, oh, hey, girl. I brought cupcakes. Do you want one? And there it is in all its buttercream glory. Coming up your nose. I mean, we're laughing, but this is the truth, man. So how do we discipline our minds? Turn in your Bible to 2 Corinthians 10. If your name is Donna, I want you to know we love you. We honor you. And if you are an accountant, God bless you for keeping us in line. But don't bring cupcakes to work. <laughs> 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. That means we are not limited to the flesh. Well, there's a peace of God that surpasses understanding. So you are not limited to the flesh because there is a supernatural power living on the inside of you. And the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the power God gave you. For God did not give you a spirit of fear, but he gave you power. So you are not limited to your own might. You are empowered by his authority. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And being ready... To punish all disobedience until obedience is fulfilled. So the way you read this chapter is the the Apostle Paul actually reveals to you the end from the beginning. And he is showing you the plan of the enemy. So what is the plan of the enemy? The plan of the enemy is to bring mental strongholds into your life. What is a stronghold? A stronghold is a military term. A stronghold is a well-fortified military position that when you are in war, it will be the place of security for your allies and for yourself, and it will be the most difficult place for the enemy to overcome. So the devil is trying to put a stronghold of negativity, of self-doubt, of cynicism, of fear, of hatred into your mind so that when the word of God comes, the stronghold tries to reject it. But he said we can tear down, we can cast down strongholds. And then he shows us, watch, by casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity. So I ask you this question. What is in your mind? 
what are the strongholds that are in your mind? I like to say it like this. What's the playlist that's in your thoughts? Are they negative? Are they filled with fear? Are they anxious? Are you expecting the worst? Are they ruled by your insecurities? Is every thought that comes in... Now, we're not talking about the fleeting thoughts. We're talking about the ones we actually make decisions on. Are they all ruled by the pain of your past? Is everything filtered through disappointment? What's the playlist? Because that tells you what the stronghold is. Here's how you know you have a stronghold. You know you have a stronghold when you are declaring it over your life. I'm anxious. No, no, no. I'm overcoming anxiety. I'm depressed. No, no, no. I'm dealing with depression. I'm broken. No, no, no. I was broken and I'm being restored. Okay? But if you want to know what your predominant thought is, just listen to yourself talk. Just listen to it. Now, let's watch the process. So there's arguments, there's exalting against yourself, which is a contradiction, and there's thoughts. So look at this. Every stronghold starts with a thought. What did the the serpent say to Eve? Well, why can't you eat the tree? It's just a thought. Just a thought. Then... If you don't punish the thought, comes the contradiction. What did the serpent then say to Eve? Oh, you surely won't die. No. No. The word arguments means theories, reasonings, and imaginations. So the thought then becomes a contradiction... And now your mind runs wild on the contradiction. I should apply for the promotion. Oh, you're not smart enough for that. I'm worthless. I'm no good. My entire life isn't going to go anywhere. I just can't believe this. I mean, what am I even doing with myself? Who am I? What am I? You know what? I'm going to start looking for a new church. I shouldn't even be there anymore. I mean, why do I even do this? Why do I even pray for my Bible? Why do I do this? And 15 minutes later, you're laying in bed, and none of it even makes sense. And it all just started with a thought. I really should forgive my wife. Oh, but then she'll do it again. I mean, how could I ever do that? I mean, if I forgive her, then I'm giving her the power back in the relationship. And I mean, I mean, what is this anyway? Maybe I should, you know what? I'm going to go look at stuff on the internet. And it just starts with a thought. The problem is, is that we don't think about our thoughts. So it's a thought. Then it becomes a contradiction. Then it's the imagination. What did the serpent say to Eve? Oh, you'll be just like God. And she went, and what God had told her was out of her mind. And then she ate, and the stronghold came into her life. But listen, the same way that a stronghold can come is how you tear it down. And what did it say? Bring every thought into captivity to the Word of God. Bring every thought into captivity. To the word of God. And be ready to punish the disobedient thought. That's where discipline comes. Because it is easier 
to let your mind run wild on the negative things. That is our flesh. It is easier to sit in your insecurities. In the moment, it's easier to eat the cupcake. Discipline is hard. But you've got to start taking control of your mind. Your predominant thought determines the issues of your heart. Out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks, and life and death is in the power of your tongue. So what are your predominant thoughts? What are they? So then that begs this question. What should they be? Back to Philippians 4. Watch this. Don't you love how simple God is? Watch this. He goes, verse 7. Verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Verse 8. Finally, brethren, meditate on these things. Well, there you go. <laughs> like, it's not complicated. He's, meditate. What is meditate? Allow your predominant thoughts to be these things. Watch this. Simple list. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report. If there is any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, do those. And the God of peace will be with you. Here's the wild thing. In verse 9, the definition of peace changes. And it means the God of all blessing. It's not the same definition. Now, he says, if you'll do these things, the God of all blessing, he'll be with you. So what do you focus on? The things which are true. What's the truth? The word of God. And the truth, what? Will set you free. The truth is the key. The word of God is the key. This is the key to disciplining your mind. You meditate on these things. But here's the question. Do you know the word? You can't meditate on something you don't know. You can't focus on something you've never seen. So do you know the word? Are you putting the word of God into your life? You've got to have more of a revelation of God's word than you get on a Sunday night at six o'clock. There's got to be more. Whatsoever things are noble, that just means honest, reputable, and dignified. Like, is your mind dignified? Hmm. Whatsoever things are just, that means things that indicate that they're right and conform to righteousness. Man, sinful thoughts, I'm going to get them. I'm coming after that guy. You don't even understand what I'm going to do. You punish those thoughts. You punish them. Whatsoever things are pure, that just means blameless. Lovely, that means pleasing to the Lord. Hello. Things which are of good report. Of a good report. Here's what you got to do. This is as simple as I can say. Is this helping you tonight? All right. You've got to start winning the argument in your head. Isn't it amazing? In modern day society, we will literally argue with everybody. And we'll argue everything. We'll argue with people on social media we've never met. We'll argue Trump, we'll argue Biden, 
We'll argue the Republicans, the Democrats. We'll argue about masks. We'll argue about the truth of all those arguments. We'll argue about restaurants. We'll get in a fight with our spouse over where to eat. Why don't you eat at Chili's on Friday and Applebee's on Saturday, and you can both be happy. We'll argue everything. We'll argue with people. If I were to walk up to you and say, you're a loser, you'd be like, excuse me? But you know who we rarely argue with? Ourselves. And the lie comes into our mind and we just accept it. You're such a loser. You're an idiot. Why do you act like that? You always do that. God, you're worthless. I mean, I heard what he said, but that's not you. You can't do that. You can't do that discipline. You can't, there's no way you could do that. And we will just let those thoughts run wild and become the imagination, and then it becomes the stronghold. And then when the word tries to get spoken, you just reject it. But you now have to start winning the argument in your head. You're a loser. I am not a loser. I am a child of the Most High God. I'm loved and accepted. I'm called with a holy calling. You should apply for that promotion. I'm not smart enough to apply for that promotion. Mm -mm. I am a child of the Most High God. I have the mind of Christ. You can't do that. That's really hard. Mm -mm. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can do the hard things. I can do the challenging things. I can do the scary things. I can do the crazy things. I can do all things. You're so weak. I'm not weak. I'm strong in the Lord. The power of his mind. There's no way you could ever be healed. Mm -mm. I'm a child of the most high God. And he is the God of restoration. He is my savior, my deliverer, and my redeemer. See, you have to start winning the argument. You've got to start thinking about your thoughts. And you have to punish the contrary thought. You have to be ready to punish it. How many times, Jared? Until obedience is fulfilled. You have to determine. I want to live in peace more than the devil wants me to live in bondage. And I'm going to overcome this because greater is he who is in me. And who is in me? Jesus Christ The prince of peace, the prince of tranquility, the prince of health, welfare, prosperity, and every kind of good. The prince of all blessing lives on the inside of me. So I will not be broken. I will not be robbed. I will not be cursed. I will not be in bondage. I will not be depressed. I will not be living in anxiety. I will stop panicking because I am a child of peace. I am called into peace. I am going to overcome this no matter what it takes. It might take a day. It might take six weeks. It might take two years. But I'm going to overcome this. Be ready to punish until obedience is fulfilled. The Bible says you fight the fight of faith. But listen, you're not fighting for victory. Jesus already gave you victory. All your fight of faith is, is to not lose faith. The only way the devil can defeat you is if you simply stop walking with God. And that's why he said, be ready to punish disobedience until obedience is fulfilled. Lift your hands towards heaven.
Father, I thank you for the truth of your word. I thank you for the simplicity and the power of it. God, we, we don't just sing that you are more than enough. We believe that you are more than enough. You know, let, let me just do something. Put, put, everybody put your hands down for a second. Keep your eyes closed. If you're here today and you've been struggling with depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts and tendencies, if you're addicted, if you're having panic attacks, before I say anything else, let me tell you, no one in this room is judging you. 80% of Americans are dealing with continuous anxiety. I already told you, I've dealt with it. Ain't nobody here judging you, man. And with a for real heads bowed and eyes closed, like a for real one, not the church one where we just lower it a little bit and then look around. If you're dealing with it and you need freedom in your life starting today, I want you to take a step of faith and you raise your hand up and I'm going to pray for you. Thank you for your courage. Thank you for your bravery. Thank you for being here today. Now, if you don't have your hand up, you should be praising God. And I want you, if you don't have your hand up, you start praying in the Spirit if you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Father, I declare, I believe, and I ask you to bring deliverance into this room. Right here, right now, God. Let today be the mark of a new thing that you are doing in people's lives. Let worry be replaced with trust. Let fear be replaced with faith. Let depression be replaced with freedom. Let addiction be lifted off of people's minds, off of their bodies. Let anxiety be turned to hope. Let brokenness be restored. Let mourning be turned to dancing. Let sorrow be turned to joy. Father, we will not be robbed of the life that Jesus came to give us. Your word is true. Your promises are yes and amen. And I believe in Jesus' name that freedom is in this church. We put our faith in you, Lord. You came to set us free. So we will be free. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Let tranquility of their heart and mind just come right now, Father. Let health and welfare, prosperity, let good things, good thoughts, good feeling, good ideas, let them begin to abound in people's hearts and minds. Let the burden be lifted, Lord. Let the heaviness start to float off, God. Let the panic just settle down, Father. Let the worry start to just go to the back of our minds. We put our trust in you, Father. We put our hope in you, Father. We put our faith in you, Father. We put our expectation in you. And we honor you, Lord, for who you are and what you do. You can put your hands down. If you're here tonight, you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You need to. I can't put it any more plain than that. You need to have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you've never done that, or, or maybe you did, and you've kind of disconnected from your relationship with God. Did you even know that you could have one? Did you know that you should? Did you know that everything God has done from the first moment of time until this moment right here, right now, was done and designed for you to have a relationship with him? And it's a relationship he created 100% for your benefit. 
And all you have to do to be in relationship with him is choose to believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior and declare that he is your Lord. And he'll come into your life. Upon doing so, you'll secure your eternity in heaven. You'll be accepted in God's family. Your sins will be forgiven. Your past will be washed away. And the God of peace will enter into your life. How do I do that, Jared? You just pray a prayer. I'm going to lead you through the prayer. You just believe that Jesus is Lord. Or maybe you're here and you just know you're not right with God. On some level, you know you're not right with God. Like you might believe in God. You might have an awareness of a supernatural creator. You might even believe in Jesus, but you're not serving him. He's not Lord of your life. You're not right with God and you're broken, you're hurting, you're lost, you're tormented, and you know you need to change. You weren't aware of the change you needed until now. Now you know the change you need is you need to get right with God. The beautiful thing that God said to Abraham, he told Abraham to change his life. And Abraham said, okay, let me go change my life and then I'll come back to you. And Jesus said to Abraham, no, no, no. You just come to the one who is right and I'll make you right. You don't have to go fix everything, then come to Jesus. You just come to Jesus and he helps you fix. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna lead the whole church through a prayer. And if I've spoken to you, if you wanna make Jesus Lord of your life for the first time, the 10th time, you need to get right with God. I'm gonna invite you to pray this prayer. So on the count of three, if I've connected with you on any level regarding your status and relationship with Jesus, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand up in the air. All that is is a little step of faith saying, hey, God, I'm here. I'm going to pray this prayer. So on the count of three, if you want to make sure, if you want to secure your eternity in heaven, if you would say to me, Jared, that's me. I want to go to heaven. I want my sins forgiven. Jared, I need to get right with God. I'm not right. I'm tired. I'm exhausted living the way I've been living, and I need this change. I'm going to get right with God for the first and final time tonight on the count of three. And there's going to be a lot of you in the room, in here, and in the lobby You're going to raise your hand up. Don't leave here not doing what you know in your heart you need to do. On the count of three, you raise your hand up. One, two, three. Come on. Raise them up. Yep. Thank you. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-three, twenty-four, twenty-five. Thank you. I'm sure there's people in the lobby back there saw a young boy over here that's like eight, nine years old. God bless you, bud. You're going to heaven. We love you. You're going to be a man of God. Amen. All right, let's pray. Everybody together. Don't leave them by themselves. You say this prayer too. Say, Heavenly Father, I give you my life, my heart, my soul, and I make Jesus my Lord and Savior. Forgive my sins. Wash away my path. Take me to the life you have for me the abundant life, the peace-filled life. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, give them another round of applause. Welcome to the family of God. God bless you. I love you. Thanks for having me today.